Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, we are so thankful you are here today. We are so glad about it. What a great morning so far, right? I mean, great music. And how about that kids play one more time? Wasn't that awesome? I mean, they worked hard on that and they just straight up preached the gospel. I don't really even need to be up here. They did, their, they did that job. But I am just going to take a few minutes today and I want to talk about what we believe as a church to be one of the two greatest moments in the history of the world. You know, that, that the fact that Whenever we think about what are the most important moments in the history of the world that have changed and impacted the world significantly for Christians and non-Christians, there's two events that we point to. And of course, it's the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And today we get to look at this moment in which it's described in the scriptures as a silent night when a great company of heavenly hosts showed up and appeared saying, peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. I think we can talk about this moment today. I'd like to just dig into it a little bit, have some fun with it, but also just be moved by the power of this story that most of us know really, really well. But at the same time, even if we know it well, it should continue to just touch our heart, impact our, our, our just who we are as people. And so the birth of Jesus is often called a gift, right? Everyone say gift. It's why we give gifts at Christmas. It's why we, it's why we share gifts with, with one another because this is God's greatest gift to us, the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. It's why it says in John 3, 16, remember when it said God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life that comes as a gift. He is the perfect gift and perhaps... This is why we all feel so compelled during this time of the year to find the perfect gift for that special someone, right? We are all looking for that. We're all trying to get it. We plan and shop and buy and try. And sometimes we cry in the effort just a little bit as we try and figure out all the gifts we need to get for the people that we love in our life. How many love giving gifts? Raise your hand. You love giving gifts. How many love receiving gifts? Go ahead. No shame. Yes. Yes. A few weeks ago, Christy was talking to Grayson, our eight-year-old, about what he wanted for Christmas, what he wanted for Santa, from Santa, and, and, and he said, I want Santa to get me a skateboard for my dad. She asked, do you mean you want Santa to give you a gift that you want to give then that gift to your dad? And he said, exactly, that's what I want. That's pretty awesome, right? Right? That's my boy, right? Like he's getting me stuff through the Santa channel. I like it, Right? So he wanted us to give him a, we gave him a skateboard at, uh, at his birthday, and so he wants to ride with me. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's pretty fun, right? But before you think St. Grayson, that was a few weeks ago. <laughs> Things have changed since. <laughs> he said, listen, Santa will not pick out the right board for dad. Why don't you just go ahead? We'll change that request. And now he's got something else he wants, right? I mean, I get it, Gray. I get it, bro. I'm with you, man. But listen, we all love giving gifts. We all love receiving. It's fun. And... Uh, Today, I thought we'd slow down for just a few minutes and we talk about this one gift, right? This one gift that we've all been given. And maybe today, for you, it'll just be a time to worship. 
the Lord for this gift that he's given us. Or maybe for you, it'll be a time to, to really come to understand what this gift really means. You've heard that before. You've heard the Christmas story. And, and maybe for you, it's the, finally the time that you receive the gift. Because how many of you know that in order to, for it to be a gift, it has to not only be given, but it needs to be received, right? And so for you to enjoy it. So we're going to get into this book of Luke. If you've been with us, we've, we're, we're kind of just starting this journey through the Gospel of Luke. We're week three in the series, and so today we're appropriately in chapter two uh, in the story of the birth of Christ. Luke 2, starting in verse 1. We're just going to kind of walk into this. And today I just want to, I want to give you a kind of a, a little bit of where we're headed, but I, I, want to, I want to give us a little background on what we read. I want to teach us a little about the Bible. Is that okay if we talk about the Bible today? Right? And then I want you to know what this message is really about way at the front, on the front end, though. This is truly about this bottom line that Jesus is the perfect gift. He's the perfect gift for all people at all times. That's where we're going to land today, but we'll back up and we'll start in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Verse 2, This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And then in verse 3 it says, And everyone went to their own town to register. Believe it or not, I actually love these three verses. They're really, they're really great verses, and here's why. We get to nerd out, I get to nerd out a little bit on some history here, because these few verses, they have so much history packed into them, but they also reveal some really, really powerful things if you understand what Luke is doing here. So let me just back up. 1,500 miles away from Bethlehem, in the city of Rome, an important footnote happens in the story and the history of Jesus that becomes an anchor point that you really need to understand. Who in here, first of all, has heard of Caesar Augustus? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've heard of Caesar Augustus. A lot of us have. But in case you don't know a lot about him, let me tell you a few things. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. By a show of hands, who already knew that fact? Okay, a few history buffs in the room. You'd probably be good at Trivial Pursuit, right? The rest of us... We're all about the present, right? History, more like schmistery, right? Let's talk about the here and now is how we usually think. But for a moment, I want to talk about history because here's why this is important and why Luke includes this detail. It's an incredibly important inclusion because it tells us so much about this moment in history. Before Caesar Augustus was named Caesar Augustus, he was a guy known as Octavian. And maybe you've heard of Octavian. Um, uh, he was in a fight for power with another well-known history person called Mark Antony after the betrayal of Ju Julius Caesar. Yeah, Julius Caesar, you know him, Ete, Ete Brute, that guy that was betrayed, stabbed in the back by his best friend. Whenever he died, his adopted son, Octavian, got into a battle with some others over power of the Roman Empire. You guys are thinking, are we in 11th grade world history? What is going on right now? There's a lot going on in Roman history. So Octavian eventually wins sole power of the entire Roman Empire over Mark Antony, who, by the way, was teamed up with a person you may have heard of called Cleopatra. So this is like the TMZ of ancient history. You know what I mean? Like they're all there, all the same era. And this is the world that Jesus is born into. And so at the point that Octavian seizes control and complete power of the Roman Empire. His name is changed to Caesar Augustus, which means exalted one. It means sacred deity. He essentially becomes worshiped as a God, and he is titled the son of the gods. 
So are you all with me, by the way? Are you starting to track a little bit? There's a story taking place about this person that's building a kingdom that's claiming to be a son of God, and Jesus shows up into this world. You have a self-proclaimed God, God ruling the world from Rome, declaring not only is he a son of God, but his literal campaign that he was spreading through the Roman Empire is that he himself was going to bring peace on earth. That's what he was telling the world. And here in Bethlehem, you have a baby born with angels showing up, declaring peace on earth. This is quite the contrast, right? But why? Why does Luke include this in the gospel? It's an interesting historical point, but why does he include it? Why does Caesar Augustus, the reason you know him, the reason you've heard his name, is not because you remember anything about 11th grade history. If you're familiar with the Bible, it's because you know this story. This is why you've heard of him. Why does he get any credit? Why does he get any place? Why don't we just ignore this guy? Why do we not talk about him? Why don't we bury him in some ways? But many you say, well, the reason we put it in there, Tim, is because this explains why Mary and Joseph were headed to Bethlehem. They had to go because of the census. And that is part of it. That's important for us to have some context. But let's talk about Luke, all right? I want us to remind us of who Luke was. You got to remember, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, Luke, be Luke became friends with people like Peter and John and Paul. And uh, he even knew Mary. Is that, is that a band, by the way, Peter, John? No, I mean, I don't know. He, knew, he even knew Mary, the mother of Jesus. He had conversation with them uh, about this story. So Luke wants to help tell the story of Jesus. During his time, there was a lot of accounts, a lot of stories out there where people were getting the stories mixed up. He's like, listen, enough's enough. Let me get the story right. I'm going to go to the eyewitnesses. I'm going to do an investigative. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in chapter one, an investigative account to give an accurate telling of the story of Jesus. He wants the story to be credible. And so he starts anchoring it in pieces of history that are more than just about hearsay, but they are anchors in history that people would know the time and the place that Caesar Augustus, for example, was ruling. And so he says, when he writes, in those days, Caesar Augustus, he says, I'm going to anchor this and align this with a very specific time in history. And then he gives us more detail in verse 2 in order to pinpoint the time in history that we're even talking about. Again, not just from a Jewish history, but from a global history. He says this in verse 2. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, Quirinius is actually in recorded history, not just biblical history, recorded history, serving as the governor in Syria. And while he was governor, there is actual record of two censuses being taken. This was the first one, right? So Luke is doing some work here, right? He says, this isn't once upon a time in history. This isn't a land far, far away. This isn't hearsay. This isn't myth. This is an actual thing that happened during this particular time to these particular people. This isn't urban legend. This is something that the history books can account for. So Luke, once again, is doing investigative work. He is saying, listen, I want you to understand that this is a real story things that have a definitive time and a definitive place during the reign of Augustus, during the rule of Quirinius as governor during the first census, right? I mean, this, now that we've cleared that up, right? Like, to me, that's, that's why first, the first three verses are really exciting. Are you all with me today? 
I'm like, dude, that's some work. I can't do that in three sentences. It took me 20 minutes, not 20, 10 minutes to tell you about it. And then Luke writes in verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Another important point that probably had, uh, that of prophecy that, that, um, that Luke was making, declaring the Messiah would come from the lineage of King David. This is a prophecy they had been stated, and so he wanted to make sure he's in there because Joseph is a descendant of David. And once again, doing work, Luke is doing this. Verse 5, he went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was, was expecting a child. So they were not married yet. We know that part of the story, but in case you've ever wondered, if we just picture the hotel, the inn, as full, that's possible, but it also could be that they weren't welcome there, right? That, that they, had, they had kind of been rejected, so to speak. This was a little awkward for them. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Obviously, most of you know that a manger is a feeding trough for animals because there was no guest room available for them. I'm just going to keep reading about the gift of Jesus. We're going to go into verse 8 here. So again, Luke anchors us in history. And then he shares, which I think it's actually quite remarkable. He shares in simple detail about one of the most important, I'll say it this way, the most important birth in history. And he says, there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for some people. <laughs> no, no, no. For, for those people over there that really believe. No, no, no. It says, for all the people, I will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah and the Lord. How many of you guys are thankful for that today? How many of you guys are thankful that this story that we read is the real truth that Luke anchors, right? And, 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 and so many things to help us know that this is true. It's a gift of good news that will cause great joy for all people. Think about that. A gift of good news that will cause great joy for all people. I would say that that's a pretty good gift. Perhaps the perfect gift. What other gift could be for all people? We try and get the perfect gift for you, right? We search what's the perfect gift for that person. And Jesus says, how about I just give one gift for everyone? That will be great and cause great joy for everyone. Today, we are the recipients of a gift. And you know what's crazy about this gift? He gives us this gift, but he sets it up as a gift exchange. He gives us something, but we also give him something back. We've all done gift exchanges, right? You know what I mean? Like you, maybe you've done the office gift exchange where you draw a name. You all know what I'm talking about. You draw a name, and then someone else draws your name, and it's a secret, like secret Santa kind of deal. And so you draw Susie from the sales department, right? And you're like, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna help. I'm gonna hook Susie up. So you go. 
and you, you drop 40, 50 bucks on the perfect gift for her, you give it to her, and then you find out that Cliff from accounting has your name. <laughs> and Cliff from accounting got you a 44 Oz coffee mug and you don't even drink coffee. How many of you guys have had that experience when you're like, I went all in on the gift, but then the gift that came back to me in this exchange wasn't quite the same. It didn't, they didn't really match. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody with me? We've all been there. This whole gift exchange with Jesus is sort of like that, only it's Jesus, of course, the one, the one that brings the irreplaceable gift. So Jesus comes to earth and he ultimately gives his life for us. And in return, Jesus asks us for something. And maybe you're like trying to fill in the blank right now. Yeah, he asked us for his life, for our life. He asked us, will we give him our life? And that's part of it. But what he truly asked for, what he asked for you first is he wants you to give him your sin. I mean, this is a weird exchange, right? Like he truly wants to give us salvation and he wants us to give him our sin, like all of it, like the worst of it. He wants us to give him all of our mess ups. He wants us to give him all of our shame, all of our hidden mistakes, all of our, all of our evil thoughts, our acts of hatred, our, our weird sick addictions. He wants us to give us our impure actions, our temper tantrums, our moments of rage, our, our pride, our greed, our jealousy. He wants us to give all of that to him. That's what he wants. He wants the worst of us. And he wants to take it to the cross for us. And that's what he, has, he ultimately ends up doing because he wants to set us free from it. He wants, he wants us to be able to live a life where our past doesn't haunt us and our mistakes, they don't cause us to live in shame forever. He doesn't want us to live in a sin that pulls us down in the pit, but instead he wants this great exchange to occur where we give him our sin and then he gives us salvation. And that's the truth is today we can receive this gift. And that's my hope. My, my hope and prayer is that you've already received it or that you will today. Because until we admit that we need him, we actually can't receive his gift. Until we admit that, Lord, I need this gift from you and I need to give you the worst of me because I can't, I can't save myself I have to actually trust your plan and I'm gonna actually have to come to you and say, Lord, I, I've sinned and I've fallen short and I need your forgiveness and I need and want your gift of salvation. That, until that exchange happens, like this perfect gift that causes great joy for all people, we can't quite unwrap it for ourselves. So we give them our sin. Someone asked me one time, like, how do I give Jesus my sin? How does that work? And I will say it's an act of faith. It's an act of saying, God, I can't do this without you. And saying, Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I ask for forgiveness. And then we thank him and we say, thank you, God, for this gift. And, and I, wanna, I wanna give you all that I have and all that I've done. And I wanna trust you with my life. It's, it's some sort of conversation like that with God. It's some sort of prayer like that with God. It's, you know, as I spent time with this, I just, it just caused me to remember a little bit of my own story. And a lot of you have a story similar. And a time in my life when I was still trying to figure out this, this, 
the story of Jesus. Like, why did he come? Why did he die on a cross? Like, what is this whole story from Christmas to Easter, the whole thing that's happening? Like, but then also having this conviction in my heart, like something's missing. I got to get my life right with God. And I remember there was a season in my life when I was really dealing with this and I was riddled with all sorts of doubts all sorts of questions, all sorts of uncertainty that I knew that I wanted life with God. I knew I wanted to believe in something, but I also had these real doubts in my, in my own heart. And I remember there being a moment where I finally just said, enough is enough. Like, I know what God's called. There was a, there was a conviction. There was a, there was a call in my heart that I knew God was just ca- calling me to cross. It's almost like a line in the sand, like cross that line to where I would 100% say, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I'm giving you what you asked for and I'm gonna receive what you're offering. And so many of us, we're, we live in the doubt and we live in the uncertainty because of that unwillingness to step across the line because there's a, there's a pause, there's a, there's a question mark around something and, and I get it. And I get if that's where you're at and I just wanna, I just wanna once again, if you haven't heard it in a while, I wanna offer up this gift and there's an exchange that happens where you say, I can't do this without you, Jesus. I can't save myself. Because today, a Messiah has been born. A Savior has been born. That's the story, right? What's he saving me from? He must be saving me from something. Therefore, I can't save myself. It's a gift. And so today, if you have doubts and uncertainty, and today, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, if you want to cross that line, I want to help you do that. And it's, and, it's, and it's a significant thing, but it's also a simple thing. It's a significant choice and decision you can make, but it's simple to do when you're ready to do it. And there's no, there's no right way to do it. There's no perfect way. There's no way in the Bible that lines it out other than there's a surrender in your heart to the Lordship of Jesus. And so in the church world, we've often created a moment where you can pray. And so that's what we're going to do. Well, you can pray and you can just say, Lord, I want to I receive this gift today. So let's pray that right now. Would you just bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? Everybody in the room, no one looking around. I just want you to get, I want you to have a moment with the Lord right now. Even if you say, I've already received this gift. I know with 100% certainty that I've been saved. I want you right now to just be thinking, Lord, Lord, would you speak to the hearts of those in here that need certainty, that need hope? And if today you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you want to kind of deal with those doubts and those uncertainties, I want to lead you in a prayer. And again, it's not a, it's not a perfect prayer or it's not even about the perfect words, but it's about a heart of surrender to say, I want to cross that line today. I want this to be something that I find certainty in. I want to receive this gift that Jesus offers. It's an acknowledgement that you would say, I need Jesus. And I'm going to help you with that prayer. So I'm just going to say a line, and then you can repeat that line. This is one way that you can surrender. This is actually the way I gave my life to Christ. I was in a service kind of like this, where those doubts were hitting me, and I finally just said, okay, I'm going to surrender my life. And so I did it. Someone led me in a prayer. And there's a lot of ways you can give your life to Christ. This isn't the only way, but if you'd like to do this today, Just repeat this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. And then we're going to do that exchange thing right here, okay? So I want you to pray this. Say, I give you my sin and I ask for forgiveness. 
I give you my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. Now let's just thank him. Say thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for being the perfect gift. Say that to him. Let's thank him for dying for us too. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And I commit to live for you from this day forward. Just say that to him. I commit to live for you from this day forward. I love you, Lord. Now, if you just prayed that, I really do believe if you prayed it and you surrendered your heart, it's like stepping across that line to where you don't have to wonder anymore, did I, did I do this? Because if you surrendered 100%, I, I can remember back to that moment in my church service experience where I had that moment ever since then. Have I had questions? I have had doubts? In some levels, yes, but I've always had a certainty that I've surrendered my life to Christ. And if you've done that, if you've done that, you can just say with 100%, I'm walking out of here receiving the gift of Jesus. The reason he came into this world was to love you. It's to love you. That's why he came. And it's to give you this gift of salvation. And you can walk out of here with 100% certainty going, man, I've received the perfect gift, the good news of Jesus that causes great joy for all the people. Father, we thank you. We thank you for each and every person that just prayed that. I know that some people prayed it. They don't even have to prove it today in any other way than just they can stand before you and say, Lord, I've surrendered my life to you. So Lord, we celebrate that and we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We pray that in the coming days leading up to actual Christmas day, that this week is a week of celebration and worship and praise and honor, one in which we lift you up above all else in this world. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you're truly the only gift that matters. That, Father, we can walk and we can breathe and we can go through life and know that we have Jesus in our hearts saving us for all of eternity. What a gift. We praise you, God. We lift you up. We glorify you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Can we just celebrate those who just maybe just prayed to receive Christ today? I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand. Would everybody stand? We're not done quite yet. We want to finish with a bit of worship and a bit of tradition. So go ahead and get your candle. In a moment, we'll have someone come down and light those, but get your candle that was on your seat. You know, I was thinking about this week as I was spending time in Luke 2, I was thinking about um, the contrast of how chapter one begins and how it ends. I mean, is, if you know, why did Caesar, do if you don't know this, I mean, it probably makes sense, pretty simple, but Caesar Augustus issued a census to be taken because he wanted to understand how to tax the people. He wanted to know, he wanted to have an accurate number of how he was gonna tax everybody. So the chapter begins with an order going out through the whole, through the whole Roman empire for people to do something so that their king could take more from them. That's how the chapter begins. The chapter ends with Jesus being born as a gift of great news 
that would cause joy for all people, that would be a gift that was given for us to take nothing from anyone but to give everything to everyone. Isn't that powerful? It ends with one king trying to take and the other king trying to give. That is the contrast of the kingdoms of this world versus the kingdom of God. That is the contrast of Jesus and everything else. Jesus only wants to give to us. Amen? All right, those people that are lighting candles, some of you already got it going, but come down and just start lighting those up and uh, everybody in the room, get your candle lit. And in, in a moment, or Isaiah's gonna, gonna come, on, come on out and he's gonna read, he's gonna read from a passage in John chapter one. And when he's done reading, we get to sing the traditional song, Silent Night. And I want us to picture that night. And it's, it's, it's more than just a, um, just a, a cute song. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to worship Jesus for what happened on that, that such an important night in the history of the world. And we're not only gonna worship, but of course, we're gonna just say, thank you, Jesus. We're gonna thank him for this undeserved, unexpected gift because who would agree that Jesus is the giver of life? Who would agree that Jesus is the giver of life? Who would agree that Jesus is the light of the world? Who would agree that Jesus is the forgiver of sins? Who would agree that Jesus is the hope of the world, that he is the master, the redeemer, and the healer? Amen? So listen to this. The true light who shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the world. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. Jesus took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. John the Baptist testified about him and shouted, This is the one I've been telling you is coming. He is much greater than I am because he existed long before me. Through this man, we all receive gifts of grace beyond our imagination. You see, Moses gave us rules to live by, but Jesus the anointed offered us gifts, gifts of grace and truth. God, unseen until now, is revealed in Jesus, God's only Son, straight from the Father's heart. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.